0: You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv.
1: It's baseball everywhere. Welcome to MLB.com Extras, Brewers edition. MLB.com's Mark Feinsand recently caught up with Brewers general manager David Stearns to discuss his fast track to the GM's office, what it's like turning over half of your 40-man roster in one offseason, and what he learned from working for Mark Shapiro and Jeff Lunau.
2: David, while you attended Harvard, you interned with the Pirates. Uh, At what
3: age did you decide that you wanted to pursue a career in baseball? I've been fortunate that I knew I wanted to work in baseball for a really long time, time, probably since I was in high school. Uh, I think when you're a kid and you first think about staying attached to the game, you think about playing the game, uh, I realized late high school, certainly early college, that that was not going to be an option for me uh, and that I needed to find a different way to stay in the game. And so once uh, that became clear, I began sending out letters to everyone I could possibly find. Um, uh, A couple of them were were nice enough to return those letters, and ultimately the Pirates gave me an internship.
2: Had you you land your first full-time job.
3: job. So so my my path was... um, a, a little bit of a bumpy one at first, where I interned for the Pirates for two summers while I was in college. Uh, after I graduated college, I got a job at the Arizona Fall League, um, which is a, a sort of a term. You know, there's going to be an expiration date on that job because right. when the league ends, you're so out of jobs, a job. right? Um, and uh, and so the league ended, and so did my job. Um, and then I got another internship um, with the Mets, a full year internship. Uh, and that led to a full-time job at the commissioner's office for a kid growing up in New York city as a Mets fan, was that
2: a dream come true to go work at Shea stadium? I guess at the time it was Shea,
3: uh, and it was, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was a great experience. Um, the Mets had some really good teams, um, at that time in in 2007, 2008. And so, um, to experience that, uh that excitement at Shea Stadium to be able to go to work um, in a building that I used to do everything in, everything I could to possibly just get in there um, when I was a kid uh, was, was pretty cool. And um, I learned a lot as well. There, there were some really uh, good people there who took me under their wings from Omar Minaya, John Ricco, Adam Fisher, um, guys who uh, really cared about developing people, um, and they, uh, they helped me really move along. You mentioned your time
2: in the commissioner's office when I was speaking to Matt Klintak, He said his experience there, especially working in labor relations, was as good of a platform for a career in baseball as anything that he could possibly imagine. What did you take most from that job?
3: So I think what the benefit of working at the commissioner's office, regardless of what the capacity uh, is that you're working there, is you get to look at the game from a, a macro view. When we're at clubs now, We're so focused on our individual team circumstance. We're so focused on how we maximize uh, wins and losses for our individual team. At the commissioner's office, I got a greater appreciation for the challenges and opportunities facing the industry as a whole. Uh, I got to work with some really bright people. Throughout my time there, I got to participate in a collective bargaining negotiation. And all of that gave me an appreciation for how robust this industry is how many different arms and people there are working to ensure a prosperous future for the industry. And it, it also helped certainly my critical thinking um, skills, looking at big problems uh, and trying to come up with appropriate solutions. So uh, I'd certainly agree with Matt on that one. It's, it's a, a, a wonderful place to work. When I was there, I thought I was going to be there or hoped I was going to be there for a very long time. and. Uh, some other opportunities came along and and uh, allowed me to, to go work for a club
2: Plus you got to work with the guy who's now the commissioner and that's probably not a bad thing to know him pretty well either Yeah,
3: that 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 doesn't hurt and, and um, Between the commissioner and and Dan Halem and Morgan sword and Chris Maranac, um Chris Park a, a lot of people uh, Who I had the opportunity to work with there, uh, really bright people learned a lot from all of them and uh, still good friends you went on, I feel like I've asked this question to
2: almost everybody that I've spoken to. You went on to work with Mark Shapiro, Mark Shapiro in Cleveland. Uh, what did you learn most from him?
3: I, the, the entire Cleveland front office there um, devotes itself to producing a, an extremely collaborative and cooperative culture. And, and certainly that uh, started with Mark. It probably, frankly, even started before him with John Hart. And the, the, um, the lineage that worked through there um, and so that's most of what I took away from Cleveland was the uh, importance of culture, the importance of having everyone within a baseball operations department feel as though they're a part of what's going on in the major league field uh, and have ownership over the, um, the ultimate success of, of the franchise. There are a lot of people in, in, throughout baseball that work incredibly hard, uh, make real sacrifices to work in the, in their, in the game. And to make sure that all of those people feel a part of the action, a part of the decision-making process, uh, I think Cleveland does that about as well, if not better than anyone in the industry. Um, and so uh, seeing that firsthand was very instructive for me. You
2: moved on to Houston after Cleveland, working with Jeff Now, uh, He tabbed you as a potential GM in an interview in 2015. Was that always your goal? Was GM sort of your end game
3: yeah. Or at least maybe
2: not end game, my, but at least your, your goal for that point?
3: My, my goal when I got into the game um, was to get to a level where I was able to contribute to wins and losses on the field. Um, that's what mattered to me. I wanted to be involved in player personnel decisions. Um, it's pretty tough to, to look at this and say, I want to be a GM and that's my end goal. There are only 30 GMs. Um, uh, so that's a, that's a challenging bar um, necessarily to set. But I knew I was going to be happy uh, if I could get to a place in an organization that I respected and trusted uh, and was able to help influence uh, on-field decisions. I was, I was able to, to do that and now obviously um, have been able to, to become a general manager, which has been great, but um, I certainly when I started out, I never said to myself, I, I need to become a general manager in order to be happy in the game.
2: The Astros front office is one of the more diverse in terms of the background yep. of the people there. Got a guy who works for, worked for NASA, got a guy who worked for Baseball Perspectives, so... Uh, there's the whole spectrum there. How important is it to have those differing views among the staff that's helping to make the decisions?
3: It, I think it's important throughout uh, the entirety of an organization to have um, diversity in backgrounds, diversity in skill sets, diversity in perspectives. Um, we can get in a bubble occasionally in baseball. Um, there can be some group think in baseball, and having people in your organization Uh, In a variety of different capacities, who can look at your problems with uh, an outside perspective certainly helps come to the most appropriate helps you get to the most appropriate solutions. Uh, And I think that's something that Houston has done very well is is set up a front office and really an entire baseball operations infrastructure that draws on skills from a variety of different industries and a variety of different backgrounds. You were hired by the Brewers at the age of thirty, becoming the youngest GM in the game at the time.
2: Was it difficult at all? starting that job and having to deal with GMs who, some of whom had been doing their jobs as long as you'd been alive.
3: Yep. The, the, I was fortunate that through my work in the commissioner's office, um, frankly, even starting with my job search, uh, when I was in high school and college, uh, I had interacted with a lot of, uh, the, the other GMs or a lot of the other assistant general managers in baseball before. So I, I knew the vast majority of them, uh, to some extent, uh, a segment I knew very well. Um, so I never really looked at it as, as a hindrance. I think everyone, um, is really coming at, uh, these, the discussions between general managers with very similar agendas. We need to do what's in the best interest of our organization. Uh, for the most part, everyone's very respectful of that. Everyone understands that the person on the other end of the phone is, uh, is working really hard to to do what they can for their organization. So, Um, I never felt that, that challenge because I was the new guy on the block or I was the youngest guy. Everyone treated me with respect and, and certainly I, uh, I have a great deal of respect for the other general managers out there. You also were,
2: and I guess still are younger than some of your players. Yep. Is that ever odd?
3: No, it, it it really isn't. Um, I've always throughout my career, I've always been on the younger side for positions, um, that I, that I've been hired for and. Um, it's never really proven to, to be uh, a hindrance. I think people uh, generally, once they get to know me, uh, understand what I'm about, that, uh, that I'm about doing the best job we possibly can for the Brewers. Um, and uh, players seem to respect that. Coaches seem to respect that. And um, I, haven't, I haven't really seen that as a, a major challenge so far. When you took the job, you said, quote, I
2: would not have come here if I didn't think it was possible to win a World Series in Milwaukee. Is that easier to believe after you see a team like the Royals get to the World Series a couple years in a row and win one?
3: Well, I, I think, I think any general manager going into a, a new job has to believe that it's a, you're able to win a world series or else there's no reason to go there. We're all, we're all in this to win championships. Um, that's why we want, we want to be here. Um, we've seen over the past decade that well-run organizations, um, organizations that stick to a consistent philosophy and a plan can have success regardless of market size. You mentioned Kansas City, they're a great example of that. Cleveland, I think, is a great example of that. Tampa is a great example of that. Oakland uh, at periods. Minnesota at periods has been a great example of that. Um, there, are, there are a number of organizations that um, have managed to compete consistently uh, despite middle or smaller markets, um, and we see no reason why we can't do the same.
2: You turned over 20 of your 40 spots on your 40-man roster in your first off-season. How daunting of a
3: task was that offseason for you? Any new position uh, can be daunting at times. Any new position can, can be challenging. Um, I certainly didn't come into the position thinking I was going to turn over half of our 40-man roster in the first offseason. Uh, it just happened as, as transactions appeared, and um, we were able to be aggressive and, and make transactions that we thought made sense. And I give our ownership group a lot of credit for giving me the freedom uh, to be able to do that. Um, they didn't know me particularly well at that point, but they, they trusted that the decisions we were making were going to work out. And uh, by and large, a, a lot of them did. Certainly we made some that we wish we could have back, but uh, we had a, a tremendous amount of transaction volume. It's probably gonna be the busiest off season I'll have in a lo- for a long time as a general manager. Um, but it was, uh, it was based on the transactions that uh, came in front of us and, and what we thought made sense for our organization we mentioned before you went to Harvard
2: teams seem to be loaded now in their front office with Ivy leaguers, uh, aside from the obvious education you all received, do you think there's a reason that, that so many front offices have skewed in that direction?
3: I, I think there's more, um, attention being given to, uh, the education level of front offices. I think even if you go back 10 or 15 years, there were still a lot of highly educated, um, people in major league baseball front offices, um, I think because of some of the press that that some of the more successful guys have gotten over the last decade and a half, Um, the the microscope is on a little bit people with specific degrees or who come from specific schools. Um, I I frankly think that owners and uh, front office executives are just looking to hire the people who are most qualified for um, any particular position. If that position, uh, if that person happens to be from an Ivy League school, great. and if the person doesn't happen to be from an Ivy League school, that's great too. Um, so I, I don't know that there's necessarily quite the um, influx of Ivy graduates into the game that, uh, that, has, um, that the attention to that topic has, has been given um, would indicate. But I, I think we're uh, seeing just a, a mass of um, sort of critical thinkers entering the game and uh, a mass of people who have experienced dealing with large amounts of information and data.
1: If you're enjoying this Mark Feinsand interview, make sure you check out all the great conversations featured in the MLB.com Newsmakers podcast. You'll hear Mark and other MLB.com reporters chat with baseball's brightest stars of today and the past, as well as the game's best broadcasters and writers. You can download MLB.com Newsmakers today on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts by searching Newsmakers. Now, back to Mark Feinsand.
2: 10 or 15 years ago, analytics seemed to be a thing that small market teams did more than big market teams trying to find an advantage to match up with their bigger payroll teams. Now that every team has them, is it still such an advantage or do you think front offices can use them differently to keep it as an advantage?
3: Well, I think critical thinking is an advantage in general and and, um, I look at analytics and information uh, in its entirety as a tool to help our critical thinking processes. Um, So you're right, the the gap um, between teams that were using some advanced metrics and teams that weren't um, no longer exists because now everyone has access to Uh, very advanced information, and everyone um, is doing a good job uh, using that information. Um, Having said that, there is still a tremendous amount about baseball that we don't know. Um, And uh, teams like us and and many others out there are doing everything we can to learn about those areas that that we still feel very blind to, and and they're numerous. Um, So there are still many potential competitive advantages out there. Um, and we're searching like crazy to, to be the first to uncover them.
2: Uh, that was actually my next question was, do you think teams are all out there looking for that next big thing? And what do you I mean? Uh, what do you think that next wave could be? It seems like most stats have now been discovered. I'm sure there will be more, uh, but is it just finding new metrics or do you think there's another wave of, uh, uh of something teams can figure out or discover that's going to give them a competitive advantage over others?
3: Um, I have no question that there are waves out there that teams can can discover to give them a competitive advantage. Um, I have some ideas of in what areas they might um, exist and uh, we're doing our best to to search in those areas and explore in those areas. Um, But we don't, we certainly don't have all the answers here and I'm not sure any club does right now. Um, But given, uh, given all of the unknowns about baseball, um, given the all of the unknowns about athletes, about human beings in general, um, I'm, I'm quite sure uh, that over the next 10 or 15 years, um, there will be even more innovation in how we evaluate players and how we get to value uh, than there have been in, in the past 10 or 15 years. It seems like optimizing performance has been a big
2: area that, that teams have focused on sleep studies and things like that. Do you think that could be someplace where teams try to find that edge
3: sure medical research in general um, is a place uh, where i think the industry as a whole is looking to find an edge Uh, as an industry we're behind other uh, sports leagues we're certainly behind soccer Uh, i think we're probably behind football and basketball um, in terms of uh, uh, some of the sports science techniques that we're using with our athletes Uh, so there's some catch-up to be done there um and teams that that uh perform better in that space i do think we'll get an advantage
2: with analytics being uh used by all 30 teams now it's also made its way to the fans with statcast do you think it's making the way fans watch the game a little different
3: i'm sure it's making it different and i i think what is um what's helpful about those types of metrics and those types of statistics is fans can opt in and in or out of them um I don't know that we necessarily should be um, shoving those types of metrics down fans' throats if they don't find that an enjoyable aspect of the game. Um, but for fans who uh, do want to get a closer glimpse of what, um, of what teams are looking at, the type of gram- granular information that teams have, uh, I do think it's, it's a helpful advance for the, the viewing experience. You
2: wrote for the Harvard Crimson when you were in college. Uh, does that mean you have an appreciation for sports writers that
3: other GMs might not? I, I certainly have an appreciation for how challenging it can be to work through writer's block, uh, <laughs> which I which I had plenty of times. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed writing. I still enjoy writing. Um, if uh, you know, at, at some point down the road, I wouldn't mind uh, writing a little bit more than than I do now. Uh, and so I certainly uh, have an appreciation for for what you guys do. Uh,
2: you've done. Actually, before we get to, to your current team, you got married this winter. Congratulations, Thank by the you. way. Uh, and your wedding cake received a lot of attention. How did you decide to have a Miller Park-shaped cake? I'm somehow guessing that your wife hadn't been dreaming about that since she
3: was a little girl. Uh, so that was not my decision. Uh, <laughs> uh, as, as you might imagine, with wedding planning, a lot is, is, not, on, is not, your not, decision. not on the yes. groom's plate. Familiar. Um, so I, uh, so in, it, this was new to me because I grew up in the Northeast, but in the South... Um, there's the traditional wedding cake, and then there's the groom's cake. Um, I'd not heard of that uh, previously. Um, so my in-laws surprised me with the groom's cake. I had no idea that um, you were going to have a cake um, in, a, uh, in the shape of Miller Park. Um, I saw it for the first time when I, when I got into the reception hall. Um, but as impressive as the cake was visually... It tasted just as good, um, which, uh, which which certainly made it worth it. So there was a traditional wedding cake there as well? There was also a traditional
2: okay. wedding cake. Okay. My wife will be happy to hear. Yes. Uh, so you've done quite a bit to improve the state of your
3: farm system since you got here. Has
2: that process progressed quicker than maybe you anticipated it would?
3: We didn't really set expectations about how quickly or slowly um, our, our accumulation of talent would progress, Um all I knew is that uh, we needed to accumulate as much young talent as we possibly could. Um, and we need to do that through all talent acquisition methods, whether it was the draft, waiver claims, minor league free agent signing, trades. Um, and, and I think we've been able to capitalize on, on all of those. Uh, and, um, and so I'm pleased with where we are right now, but certainly uh, we can't be complacent and we need to continue to add to that stash of young talent.
2: Ryan Braun's been the face of this franchise for a number of years. How important is he to the Brewers on and off the field?
3: Ryan's been an incredibly important player to this organization really since the moment uh, that this organization drafted him. I don't think that's changed at all. He's an elite player. Uh, Our community cares about him. He cares about the community. I think he's really found a second home in Milwaukee. And uh, I think I would like nothing more, and he would like nothing more than for him to see us through this cycle and be part of the next great Brewers team.
2: Eric Thames didn't have great success during his two seasons in the majors in 2011 and 2012, but he had 124 home runs over the past three years in Korea. What about his game do you believe will allow that to translate back
3: to the majors? Yeah, we spent spent a lot of time uh, examining Eric, uh, trying to understand some of the adjustments that he made when he went over uh, to Korea. Um, And uh, really, first and foremost... We were impressed by his ability to adjust his approach to that style of pitching. Um, he became much more able to recognize and lay off breaking pitches uh, than he had been previously during his time in the States. Um, he modified his swing path, um, which led to more contact in the zone, um, which we think will also translate well back here. Um, but we also understand that there's, there's variance in a signing like this. There are, there are more unknowns when you sign a player um from a different environment than if we were to sign a player who had played the major leagues last year um that's part of the the equation on this um there are unknowns on both sides there are unknowns on on positive sides and there are unknowns um on some underperformance sides and so we're eager to see how it plays out uh he's been uh fun to have in camp so far and we're looking forward to going into the season with him you clearly liked jonathan villar from your
2: time in houston uh traded for him when you got here was last season's production even a surprise for you though
3: I think it had to be a surprise for everyone. Uh, I I think really everyone in baseball, I don't don't know that I had really any um, inside knowledge on on Johnny's talents. I think we we all knew that he was an athletic, talented young player. Uh, We also all knew that the Astros had had Carlos Correa and Jose Altuve, um, and he probably wasn't going to get a lot of playing time there. So uh, we were happy to be able to acquire him, happy to be able to give him opportunity last year, and, and he took it from there. He really took advantage of, the opportunity he was given, um, and he's now cemented himself as, as part of our future. Orlando, I see his rookie season was a struggle at times. How do you think that experience can help make him better? Really, we, we brought Orlando up because we wanted him to get a taste of what Major League pitching was like, what Major League pitchers were going to do to him, how they were going to attack him. Uh, I think he saw it. I think he, he saw that um, these pitchers up here are pretty good, um, and, and there's a reason they're in the big leagues and not, not in the minor leagues. And so, um, he's worked hard to make adjustments. He's worked hard on pitch recognition. Um, he's worked hard uh, to make sure he understands game situations and count situations um, to better understand perhaps how pitchers are going to attack him. Um, but this is an ongoing process. Right now in his in his development, Orlando is a defense-first player. We think he can uh, really make a, a profound impact on game outcomes based on his defense alone. And we're going to give him time to continue to develop his offensive part of his game. Given the increased importance being placed on late-inning relievers, especially after what we saw last
2: postseason, was there any hesitation in trading Tyler Thornburg or did it seem like a strike
3: while the iron is hot situation where you saw the opportunity to land an everyday player? From- Whenever we trade a, a quality major league player, regardless of the position, there's hesitation. Um, it's really tough to, to perform in the major leagues. Tyler performed at an exceptionally high level as a back-end Major League reliever last year, and so uh, there's always a degree of hesitation. In that particular instance, to be able to get guys back like Travis Shaw and Mauricio Dubon and Josh Pennington, we thought it was a trade we had to make, and and we're pleased with the amount of young talent we were able to bring back. With a young lineup and several of your top prospects getting closer to
2: the majors, does this feel like the kind of season where the Brewers can make a push to contend for a playoff spot?
3: We certainly believe we we have... um, a number of very talented young players who are on the cusp of either breaking out within the major league environment or getting to the major leagues. How quickly or slowly that group coalesces together, um, we don't know. I don't think anyone knows as they go through processes like these. Um, But I am confident that we have uh, the talent level throughout our organization to ultimately get the organization back to consistent competitiveness.
2: They always say to be the best, you got to beat the best. Yep. Big challenge, obviously, having the Cubs in your division. Uh, how do you assess
3: the state of the National League Central overall? We're, we think we're in the best division in baseball, um, and we want to make it a better division. We, we know that uh, the Cubs aren't going anywhere, the Pirates aren't going anywhere, the Cardinals aren't going anywhere, and the Reds are getting better. Uh, so this is, this is going to continue to be a very challenging position, uh, d- division to, to play in. Uh, that motivates us, that energizes us, uh, we, we like the challenge of uh, trying to compete in that environment, and uh, we're certainly not backing down from it. Good luck this season. Thanks for your time, today. Thank you very much.